welcome to Cool Playlist. I'm Eliza Skinner, and this is my podcast, where every episode we make a playlist for a specific life event, moment, or occasion, always with a special guest. And today we're making a playlist for I'm Alone in a Space Station with my special guest, Dana Gould. Hello. Yay! We are, in a sense, alone in a space station. Yes, a soundproof little space space station. Mm-hmm. But we have people watching us. Through er, the... the Earth itself is nothing but a giant space station made of rock. Yes, that's... And we are, at the end... All of us alone. Mm. So that's how I like it. Yeah, that's uplifting. It's a fun way to think (laughs) of it. It's it's great. Yeah, I mean, and we're all rocketing towards our death. Um, (laughs) Why did you. It's funny because it's true. (laughs) (laughs) I really like, and oh, at least 80% of my comedy sets now with reminding the audience that we're all dying. We're all dying. Um, I I, I just can't not say it. Mm -hmm. It feels like what's underlying everything that's happening right now. Yeah. It's all your, as uh, George Carlin said, we're just swirling the drain in ever smaller circles. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, ruining folks. the drain also as we, <laughs> as we go this time. Exactly. Um, why'd you pick this, uh, this topic for the playlist? Um, I liked the idea that it wasn't, it, it wasn't frenetic. It implied something a little uh, more sedate and serene than I normally listen to. Uh, and, uh, well, I, you know, um, what kind of stuff do you normally listen to? Well, I listen to music when I, I'm, I'm a busy, I'm a busy person. (laughs) You are. And, uh, I normally, I get, I don't, uh, I listen to music when I exercise. So what, if I'm hiking or at the gym, I blast. Yeah. You know, like keep going. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. Like the Ramones or, you know, that stuff Mm -hmm. Um, driving my college uh, college white boy rock (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. and um, uh, but then when I when I on the on the rare occasions where I do kind of settle down uh, I really like this uh, sort of um, uh, old 4AD kind of ethereal kind of mood sonic sonic wave kind of mood kind of music and uh, I thought it gave me a chance to uh, uh, talk about some of that stuff, which I like a lot. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I can't remember all the different options that I sent, but um, I was. But there prepared. were. There was also that was the most appealing. The options yeah. you also sent was uh, caught in a bear trap, <laughs> food for a giant. <laughs> I mean, those all sound like things I would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, no more plasma. I, I don't know what that meant. I mean, I was fully ready to try to put together a playlist for fighting off apes or being an ape fighting off a lone human. Yeah. So barbecued alive was one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I like. Uh, I like. I feel like music comes out of high emotions. Yeah, it does. So human like stir to... fry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, do you want to get into this playlist? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Great. Uh, the first song. I, I'm never sure if I should start w- with my song first or. Yeah. Yeah, do your songs. song first. Uh, well, I because you're better. Uh, well, but I put your song first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, uh, do you do you want to introduce the first song? Sure. Uh, this song is uh, by the Cocteau Twins, and it's called Evangeline. It is the second cut on their album uh, Four Calendar Cafe. I'm really into the Cocteau Twins. Wow. I, I got into them a little late. I, I got into them in the late '80s, early '90s. I am in the early '90s. I feel like that's the time to get into them. Yeah, I, I got into them and uh, just before Heaven or Las Vegas. Uh, and, and I thought those two albums specifically, uh, it was, it was, so uh, it was right after Bluebell Knoll. And um, uh, I thought that Heaven or Las Vegas and Four Calendar Cafe specifically, like I, I still play those albums all the time, but seasonally. Mm-hmm. I play them in the fall and the winter. 
Okay. It's winter music for me. It's not summer music. Yeah, these are definitely it's, chunky sweater songs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's being in the and I have really crazily specific memories of being in my car late nineties, freezing cold at night, driving around listening to the Cocteau Twins. It was one of those nights where it was really clear because it was so cold. And the air is re- like really clear, and I was driving, and, and the city lights just seemed brighter, and 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 this was on, and it was one of those weird little perfect moments. It was I remember it very 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 specifically. It was nineteen ninety five, and I was over by uh, what is now UCB, oh. and uh, uh, driving along Franklin, and it was just really uh, crystal clear. And, and yeah, th- this music to me, I put it first on the playlist because if I woke up alone in the space station, mm-hmm. this is what I think outer space sounds. Like. Putting it that way makes it very video game-ish. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I didn't know this. I have gotten a little bit into the Cockatoo Twins from this podcast. Uh, there's been a uh-huh. few times that I've, I've pulled them and put them on playlists. Um, and, but I, Liz, Liz Frazier's voice is spooky. Yeah. It's so pristine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this She's was, also sang in a band called Massive Attack. Oh, yeah. Which is also a... Combination of uh, sort of industrial goth bands that were on 4AD. It was sort of like the industrial goth band supergroup. Are you an industrial goth fan? I enjoy it. Yeah, I really like that stuff. Cool. I, I could never pull off the look. <laughs> what is the look? Just a lot of uh, black trench coats. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot. You know, you have to have a uh, yeah, this sort of Ian McCulloch hair and uh, mm-hmm. uh, McCullough, however you pronounce it, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, a lot of black and gray. Which uh, yeah, I just couldn't. I, I always dressed like the professor from Gilligan's <laughs> Island. <laughs> really. <laughs> You're like a child with a briefcase. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I really was. I was always. I was all business. Uh, I uh, I've been wearing like all black for eh, most of my adult life. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, it's time for me to get color in the wardrobe. And so I've started wearing all white. All white, That's... which is not uh, is <laughs> the, the absence thing. of color. It's the same thing. It's, <laughs> yeah, I'm it doing is. the same thing. Um, yeah. I uh, so let's see. The, what I know about this is uh, this was from their seventh studio album, and it was a moderate hit in several countries and was very popular. In Portugal. Really? It was hot with the Portuguese. The album that came before it, Heaven in Las Vegas, was the one that really broke them, like, uh, if not top 40, but sort of broke them wide in America. It sort of got out of its just industrial mm-hmm. sort of niche. And that album is spectacular. Cool. Well, uh, uh, why don't we go on to my first Let's do pick. it. Um, Weathering Heights by Kate Bush. Oh, well, very good. No, <laughs> completely. Yeah. I thought it was like twist and shout or something completely. No. <laughs> so, yeah, this sounds uh, pretty spacey to me. It also, I mean, it's very earthy, too, but I just no, it, like... No, it's ethereal and, yeah, uh, yeah. right? And especially starting off that in that direction from uh, the Cockatoo Twins. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried listening to a bunch of different Kate Bush to find something for this, and then was like, oh, no, obviously, Wuthering Heights, the yeah. original Kate Bush. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. 
See, I get into Kate Bush around Hounds of Love. Yeah. Well, that was, I wanted that to fit, but it does not fit. No, it doesn't fit. Um, Yeah, this was her first single. Uh, She released in 1978, and it was then on the album The Kick Inside, also in 1978. She wrote the song when she was 18. God bless her. Yeah, right? So weird and singular. Yes, she was sort of like the, uh, I I liken Kate Bush to uh, sort of like Peter Gabriel's solo version. They were the only person that was doing that thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, in influencing people, and yeah, I, you can hear the little threads, I think, from mm-hmm. both of them. Yeah, and I think they get a lot from Bowie, too, just his, mm-hmm. his, willing to, yeah. his, his willingness to experiment. Space Oddity could have been on my list, but I felt it too obvious. Right, yeah, a little on the nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was surprised I didn't find any Bowie, though. Ooh, spoiler, I didn't find any Bowie. <laughs> There's no Bowie yeah. on this list. I was going to put both Lost in Space themes. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, uh, just a whole Lost in Space playlist. Yeah. And they did have two themes, and they were both great. I'm sure they have covers. One of them was... And the other one was... It was just really rocking. Didn't they just do a new Lost in Space? Yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, I, haven't, I don't know the theme yet. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Remains to be seen. So, uh, so in the space station that we're waking up in alone. Uh, yeah. In your version, are you there? Do you know why you're alone? Yes, well, I do. We do know why we're alone. We find that out later in the playlist. Oh, okay. That's so the so plot far, twist. so far, this is a cold open. It's a cold open. But we're like question mark. What's happening? Yeah, like oh, this guy must be really happy. He's up in the spaceship. He's got it all to himself. Uh huh. Yeah, but now uh, floating. Uh-huh. There's a section where I can float, and there's a section with gravity. Because if you only float, your bone density decreases. I feel like 2001 had or had that right in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always confused by how clean the space stations are. Like is. They, I never see a cleaning crew or cleaning robots or anything, but they're That's so true. often they're just pristine white. Yeah, I bet there's a lot of clutter. Yeah. Because stuff floats. Yeah. All over the place. Well, and also if you're exploring, if you're like getting off the ship and, and like getting stuff, mm-hmm. sometimes they got to go get stuff, put it back on. Like you don't have space dust. You don't have anything. Well, there's also, well, I don't know because it is literally a vacuum. So That's, maybe there might not be dust because it's a constant vacuum. But yeah, yeah, yeah. When you notice when they go outside of the of the ship, there are no porta potties on a cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all wearing uh, diapers. Yes, and and or uh, catheters or something. Yeah, and it's nice to remember that uh, Neil Armstrong, one of the greatest <laughs> moments for adult diapers. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Yes. Uh, did you ever want to be an astronaut or anything when you were a kid, or always making up stories? No, I wanted to be a reporter. Yeah? Yeah, I wanted to be a journalist, a reporter for a while. Because Carl Kolshak was a reporter who was the Night Stalker. Oh, who's which that? Was a, the Night Stalker was a show on in the early 70s, mid-70s uh, that was pre uh, – was the X-Files before the X-Files. Oh, okay. So you wanted to a, like yeah, was a, figure uh, out the big secrets. No, well, I just I wanted to chase monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Darren okay. McGavin played a reporter named Carl Kolshak, and every week there was a different monster, and he would fight it. Uh-huh. And it was great. What's your favorite monster? I wanted to be the Wolfman as a kid, which I totally uh, could relate to. A, a guy who meant well that had urges that were beyond his control that later gave him great shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Constantly trying to control it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Zeroed right in on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, have you seen Ginger Snaps? I did. I have seen Ginger Snaps, yeah. I, 
I thought that was a great take on uh, the the female uh, version. It was of, great. Uh, it was uh, long overdue, long overdue, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and the, I mean that's a pretty uh, that's a that's a layup in terms of symbolism, mm-hmm. but uh, it had never been done for uh, for females before. I thought it was really clever. Yeah, I mean, I, I watch the moon every month, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, that's why I'm angry. That's why I am so annoyed with people oh, this week is because of that. Full moon, yeah. Well, it does exert uh, increased gravity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and and it apparently triggers hormones. I don't know. No, well, I believe that. I don't know. I believe that. You've, you 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 have daughters, right? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Um, want to get to your next song? Sure. Okay. Uh, this next song is by uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg, who I believe is the daughter mm-hmm. of Serge Gainsbourg, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, it's it's more uh, it's it's sort of the second phase of of that. This is also a uh, a, a wake up song. I might be listening to the song tomorrow morning as I go to the airport at about this time. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a traveling song when you're early, it's early in the morning and uh, you're on the move and everyone else is asleep. Which I guess is constantly the case in... It's often the case. When you are, well, when you're on a space station, you're on the yes. moon. Mm-hmm. And you're miles away. And, uh, but it has a great... So, it really is a, has a great solitude, a solitudinal mm-hmm. sort of vibe to it. Yeah. She sounds like she's just whispering it into your. She sounds like she's you're driving next to her and she's whispering it into your ear. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um I've been trying to start recording music recently, um which I'd never done before. I, I was always like a stage singer and mm-hmm. and I learned how to do that as a child in musicals. So they Right. Them, you know, basically they're just like be very loud. So right. I to do that Annie kind of singing. Sure. And I had to take voice lessons to learn how to be able to sing quietly. That, that is the difference between yeah. That's the difference between screen acting and stage acting. And you see these people that don't know how to act on camera. I'm speaking of myself for the first <laughs> 20 years of my career, and then you figure it out. And as Michael Caine said, if you're rehearsing and people go, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're rehearsing. You're doing it wrong." Yeah. Yeah. It should just be this. I remember I had a um, a roommate, my freshman year roommate in college. I was trying to, I think I, I had to pick a monologue or something for something, and um, which I wasn't a theater student or anything, but so I was running things with her, and she kept going, oh, oh my God, I thought you were just talking. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, I am a genius. Yeah, that's the way you're supposed to do it. But I think she just had never seen someone running monologues. Yeah, that's the way, yeah, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's what, uh, and and that's also, I imagine, the difference between being a, a concert musician and a studio musician. Yeah. You know. um, also, probably having to wear more formal wear. Yeah. But it takes a lot of effort to not appear to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's also, that's, that's stand-up, right? Yeah. This is the first time I told this joke. This is no mm-hmm. big deal. I didn't, like, plan out this tan this timing by doing this joke a hundred times. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and keeping it fresh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Charlotte Gainsbourg is the daughter of S- Serge? Serge? Serge. Serge Gainsbourg. And, her, and Jane Birkin. Jane Birkin, who's... An actress. One of the m- most beautiful women to ever walk the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just... Crazy gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that familiar with her work, but I saw pictures. She's very pretty. She's gorgeous. Um, and I mean, that's the important part. Clearly, my cup of tea. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Blonde ladies you know. from uh, the mid-century. No, she no, French she wasn't. Ladies? She had uh, she had long brown hair. Okay. bangs like the whole just kind of thing. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, that new wave look. 
Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Anna exactly. Karina. Yeah, well, white shirt with black horizontal stripes. Man, that's on a scooter. That's my jam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe a little too much. Maybe some cat eye mascara. Yeah, well, see that—that's my kryptonite right there. Yeah, uh, I try to do it, and it's and it's like pretty eye, and then you get to the edge, and it's like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't do it. Or I'll do one side and be like perfect, and the other side I'll be like, it'll be like wink wonk, yeah. like, two different <laughs> yeah, directions. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. It still uh, totally flabbergasts me. Yeah. Um, but the lyrics for this, so apparently this album, uh, she was trying to separate herself from her father, so uh, and her mother, I guess, mm-hmm. from, from like you know being known as their kid, and so right. she tried to sing it in English, although her first language is French. French. Um, and the lyrics to this one are by Jarvis Cocker, um, oh. from Pulp. Interesting. Yeah. That I did not know. I didn't know either. Um, the album went platinum in France, and in the United States, uh, it sold about 22,000 copies. So it's pretty niche here. Really? Yeah. I bought it. Yeah. How, how come? Where? Why? How'd you find it? I heard it on, I, I must have heard it on KCRW or something, and I, just, and I heard, and I loved it. I thought that was, a, you know, or it might have been back when they still had listening stations, which they used to do. Oh, man. I... I used to love a listening station. Oh, man. I would spend so much time. At it. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. such a gr- – that's definitely one thing that's I miss uh, that technology hasn't improved upon was going into the, the record store. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just see what's up, what's new, and then you could just put on some headphones and listen to it and see if you liked it. Yeah. I guess now it's supposed to be that we can just easily stream things, but it feels – but you have to look for it. Then it's not presented to you. And no. you have to – you do. I think people do it a lot more distractedly. Like when you were standing in front of a listening station mm-hmm. at Virgin or whatever, you're just there. You're not also we, – we didn't have phones. We were scrolling through at the same time. Right, right, right. We yeah. aren't also thinking about a whole bunch of different things. We're just like really listening to that music. I remember walking into the late great tower on Sunset. Ooh. And it was 1994. And I saw that Frank Black had a new album out called Teenager of the Year. And I was a huge Pixies fan. And he, and I loved Frank Black's first solo album. And I said, oh, he's got a new album. And I was, was going to buy it. And, so, oh. and it had 20 songs on it. And I played the first song. I was like, this is fantastic. And I played the second song. This is just a... And I played, like, I listened every, like... This song's like, this song's it's all hits. It's, it was all hits. It's 20 albums. It's 20 songs. They're all hits. And uh, yeah, I bought it. And that was, I played the grooves of that thing. Yeah. That summer. Well, that's the thing. I, I remember buying albums that I, did, I hadn't heard of and like my friends hadn't heard of. But also since I had bought a whole album, I was like, well, I'm going to have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I would listen to the whole thing yep. instead of just a couple of songs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's EPs and, you know, short little albums are, are fun and yeah. great sure release those but I do think it's uh, I, I am a fuddy-duddy about it oh, it's sad that we don't listen to whole albums yeah well because a, a, a well-constructed album is like a novel mm-hmm. you know it has a story to it yeah. even if it's not intentional yeah you know that's why I always loved about um, one of the things that John Lennon said about Sgt. Pepper was it goes it, Sgt. Pepper was a theme album because we said it was Mm-hmm. <laughs> because but there's nothing connected on it at all. But it, it, but, but it did feel like they took the the mood from the last song and shifted it yeah. to the next song somehow. Yeah. Even if there isn't, even if you can't detect it, it did feel like. And yeah. then that page is clo- has turned, mm-hmm. not just like scattered. Yeah. Oddly, that uh, on another another topic, another podcast. One of my least favorite Beatles albums. Really? Yeah. 
less than a um, Magical Mystery Tour? Uh, I actually like the songs on Magical Mystery. Well, yeah, that, well, that wasn't really an album, but I think I, I'm not a fan. <laughs> that was of, a prank. <laughs> well, it was just a collection of random singles, yeah. unreleased singles. But I, um, yeah, Let It Be and Sgt. Pepper. I think the songs are the, are pretty pretty weak. Huh. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, and people are welcome to disagree with me and say I'm crazy. I mean, I love. I would say I, I think that uh, Sgt. Pepper has one of the better Ringo songs. Yes, but yeah, but yeah. it's not a. But that's it's, not saying much. It's, so, it's, a, it's, it's such a show tune kind of song. It, 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 there's a lot of, I'm a. I, but I think that plays I'm a into middle the strength. Peri- I'm a middle period. I'm like the help soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Rubber Soul, Revolver. Uh, uh, yeah, Rubber Soul mm-hmm. and Revolver are the really. Yeah, that's, I, I can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, got your Norwegian wood. My next song, speaking of musical theater. Oh boy, since, here we go. Yeah, well, I. I still feel like it works. Is another hundred people from Company? <laughs> I have no idea what this song no, is. Listen. Another hundred people just got off of the train and came up through the ground line. Another hundred people. Just so got Company. Off the bus so this is by um, Stephen Sondheim, uh-huh. um, and it's sung by uh, by Pamela Myers. And Company uh, came out in 1970. It's it's weird. It's it's about a a thirty five year old man on his thirty fifth year thirty fifth birthday, and all of his friends are like, "Come on, you should get married. You should settle down." And he's like, ah, "I don't know." So some of it, it's just a bunch of vignettes. It's not a linear story. Um, but this song is sung by one of the one of the girls that he's singing that he's seeing, and it's about New York. But I think it has a feeling. To me, it has a feeling of if I was outside of uh, the earth, looking at the earth. Right. It's almost like sometimes kind of. I can't, I'm going to say it wrong, but Konakwatsi? Koyanaskwatsi. Yes, Koyanaskwatsi kind of feeling of that. like Life out of balance. Yes, and and just like people everywhere moving and each in their own, doing their own thing, but making patterns out of it. And yeah, so this, and I felt like it had the right kind of production value for what for the songs in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought it fit in, and, and it's it also and it also if you were and the, and this is sort of a different version of where I go in mm-hmm. the middle in the mid in the middle <laughs> act of my playlist. Um, when you're alone on a spaceship, I think you would think about the Earth, mm-hmm. and you know the, the you might miss those things that annoyed you at the time, and another hundred people would be a great example of that. Yes, yeah, and kind of romanticize it, mm-hmm. which I think is also how people think of New York very often. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, the bad smells, the too many people. Yeah, it's like suddenly magical. Yes, exactly. Well, you always think. I always, when I think of New York, I think of the New York from the movie. Uh, Midnight Cowboy? No, Bell, Book, and Candle. And Whoa. it wasn't even New York. It was the Warner's lot here in Burbank. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> With fake snow that on it. That is the definition of New York for most people. Yeah, or it I might think. have been the Fox lot. But it's definitely like, oh, I know that street. I think to a lot of people in the world, New York is either Toronto or some lot yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the, uh, I think it is the New York street from Warner Brothers where I beat up Herbie the Love Bug with a baseball bat in the TV movie remake of Herbie the Love Bug. Wow. What a credit. Yeah. Not, <laughs> I was like, oh, I've been there. I was an evil henchman on that street. How did you how'd you end up in L.A.? Um, I always wanted to live in L.A. from about the age of like 12 or 13. I'm from a little town in Massachusetts, but mm-hmm. I was just an indoor kid watching TV all day, and I really like, wanted I'm to live in Los Angeles. It. Didn't Never had the yen to live in New York. I've been, you know, been there a billion times, but... Um, 
uh, really wanted to be in California, live in California, and the and the the cheesiness of California. And uh, I moved to San Francisco first, only because I had friends there and a good comedy scene there, and I didn't want to. I wasn't. I knew I wasn't ready to move to L.A. <laughs> that, that you have to go there when you're kind of cooked mm-hmm. and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I lived in San Francisco for a couple of years, and great. It was one of the. It was, it was the plan worked great, and I had a great time. Were you do? Were you doing stand up? Yeah, point? I was. Yeah, yeah so I was. Uh, I was. I moved there. I was already pretty established as a stand up. Mm-hmm. I I didn't have to have a day job. I worked as a stand up. I went on the road, and I great. worked as a stand up. And and all of my comedy friends, I you know, for my first, you know, I have a lot of friends that I made there that are still really close to me, and mm-hmm. yeah, it was a really, really, really good time. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize it at the time. You don't realize it's a great time at the time. Yeah. You know. Well, I think there is something so nice about knowing what you want and you're trying to get there. Mm-hmm. And then you get closer to it and you're like, okay, I've kind of got some stuff and I and I want some other stuff. Yeah. But it's less – There, I don't know. I just definitely have years, especially when I'm new to a city, new to a place where I feel like I, it, everything's a lot more clear. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you from the Midwest? No, I'm from Virginia. Have we had this conversation? No, I don't think Where so. Where in Virginia? Richmond. My mother is from Front Royal. Oh, yes, I know Front Royal. Yeah, yeah I've spent yeah, my childhood yeah, in Front Royal. Yeah, yeah, very that nice. red clay dirt out on mm-hmm. Route 522. Yeah. On the Skyline Drive. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but yes, when I, I, I've moved to, to London, to then to New York, and then out here, and I think the beginnings of all of those are when I felt the most like... Even if I didn't know what was going on, I, 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 I knew that I was in the moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And how did you, what possessed you to move to London? Uh, that's what my parents had done. Oh, my dad is from England mm-hmm. and my mom had uh, dropped out of school and moved to London and that's where she met him. And so I had dual citizenship. Wow. And I did not know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was like, well, I have the option to move there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try it out. I'll just go do that. What year was this? Uh, this was uh, 2000, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, and I was, I made it like eight months and <laughs> was like, this is not working. Uh-huh. Um, and it's cold. It's, it was cold and I was so far. I didn't know anyone in the whole country when I moved yeah. there. I didn't know anyone in the continent. I cannot right. imagine making that kind of choice right now. Right. I would never do that. Um, and I went back this past year and was walking around going to some of the places that I uh, used to live or go to and seeing like how far away they were and knowing that I didn't have a phone that could get me from place to place uh-huh. at the time. I'm like, who was this girl who was yeah. like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, sure. There's a poetry reading. I used to go to poetry reading. Sure. I don't know who she was. Um, but no, we all we all were that person. And you were just in Edinburgh. Uh, well, no, I, I, I wasn't this year. I was in Edinburgh. I, I posted a picture. Recently, oh, I thought you I were. Like, I thought you were in Edinburgh. No, no, I was there a few years ago. I would like to go back though. I'm yeah. thinking about going. Have you done Edinburgh? Yeah. What'd you think? I did a, a bunch of times when you were a child. <laughs> <laughs> I did 90, 90, 91, and ninety two. Okay. I had a great time. I had a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best fish and chips I've ever had in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good jacket potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a great. No, I had a. I had a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how'd you know that it was time to move to LA? Uh, well, again, I uh, yeah, I'd been in San Francisco for a couple of years. I I was getting some, uh, gaining some ground as a comedian. I had a manager who lived down here, and they were like, "You should okay, come come down." 
Wow. And I moved down here uh, in 1989, at the very end of the year. Oddly, I met my girlfriend literally, I think, I, I drove down to L.A. on a Monday. I met my friend there the previous Friday. And we had wow, three days that's together. auspicious. We, we had three days. Hmm. and uh, But ended up, uh, we were together on and off for six years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that helps a move. If you're like, oh, I guess I'm moving. Well, no, I was moving away from her. Oh, you? she was up there. Uh, she was in San Francisco. Oh, that's the and opposite. I was, I was like, by the way, I'm moving to L.A. on Monday. Oh. Yeah. But oh. We, we stayed in touch yeah. Well, she was down here. That also romanticizes it, I think. Yeah. You're like, oh, we were children. I mean, we were children. Yeah. You know. That's another thing that I'm like, what? Who Who were you? Person who would meet someone and be like, well, yeah, you can, I'll, I'll be in a relationship with you 400 miles away from you. Yeah. I, I, I did that. Uh, yeah. I had, I had to go to my, we have a storage space and um, we're kind of cleaning it out and, and, and getting rid of it. And uh, it, it, I save a lot of things, but I packed mm-hmm. them away and then I was going through these boxes and it's awful. <laughs> It's it's heart heartbreaking and awful. Yeah. 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 I, 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 it's like I have all these videos of my daughters and their babies, and I don't want to watch them because oh, it's no. just heartbreaking. Yeah. I don't want to. The you know, time. Yeah. The whole time thing. The cruelty of time. Yeah. The inevitable cruelty of time. I mean, they're you know my kids are still little and they're great, but it's just like I can't see you at six. Yeah. You're 16 now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Uh. uh that's what we're we're all. We're all rocketing towards death. Mm-hmm. We're all the time waits for no one. That's true. Um, want to do your next song? Sure. Uh, my next song is I, I like to think of why would I have gone on a spaceship alone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. unless I went on a spaceship with a bunch of people and I'm a serial killer. Also oh, an option. Oh, okay. That would have been a different song. All right. In this case, the way <laughs> I the way I look at it was. I think I probably was running away from something, mm-hmm. just needed to get off the planet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always think of, uh, um, uh, you know, heart- heartbreak would be the one of the main reasons. And uh, this song uh, by Mazzy Star is uh, still has that ethereal quality that mm-hmm. we have been that has taken us up to this point, but it is. Um, the, the yearning in it is palpable. It's 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 crushing, and I think that that's probably this would be the time of the day where I'd gotten up and I'm walking around, and then maybe I look at the planet, and I'm thinking about why I'm up here, and I have a long quiet moment at the window. Yeah, fade into you. The key phrase being "I want to," not "I am going to." I want to. You're probably dating Greg from accounting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or doing any of a number of things that mean you don't think about me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the the, the bitter thoughts for me where, uh, in that, that situation. is always like, oh, I bet you're with that person. Oh, it doesn't matter who you're with. You're just... Number one, not with me. Yeah, I once. Ugh, that's worse somehow. <laughs> yeah, I I said once. Uh, I wish I had back all the time I spent wondering what people who weren't thinking about me were thinking about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder what she's thinking about me right now. She's not. <laughs> yeah, I have to remind myself that with uh, with the internet because I think that's part of my the the scrolling, the social media mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm like, you're not making anything. 
This is time. You're spending time doing this, yeah, and it's nothing. Put it away. I know. Go make something. Go do something. Go make something. Yeah, yeah. but that is yeah, that's really true. And uh, yeah, and that song uh, is, is is there's a couple of songs that are just brutal yeah. uh, that I certainly bring back periods in my life uh, that uh, uh, would would send me to a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> like if you were already in one, you'd be like, "I got to get to a smaller yeah, one." To a smaller time, to, time to gravity this myself. This reminds to this me other. too much of her. This reminds me of missing uh, her from an earlier period. I want that to be a music video now. Someone like filling too many memories in a spaceship and being like, "That's it. I put up too many pictures. I got to get out of here." <laughs> yeah. Jetpacking. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. This was uh, pretty much Mazzy Star's like biggest hit. Yeah. Um, hit. <laughs> <laughs> this was their hit. Yeah, it was. Um, let's see, it reached number three on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. Mm, yeah, it was about ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was my sort of pop culture peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what you're was, carrying around. That's when I was the most engaged, I think. In it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, they're from Santa Monica. Oh, also, this song was covered by Jay Maskus, which who is a, someone else that I was I was kind of poking around seeing if I could find a Jay Maskus song yeah. for this playlist and I couldn't another spoiler there's no Jay Maskus on here um, from Dinosaur Jr. Um, but yeah they were they I did not know that much about them yeah they were you know they were you'd hear them on uh, KCRW and you'd hear them on that what was it Chris Doritas mm. was the sort of the Cool music guy in KCRW. In Richmond, there was a uh, a college station from I guess the University of Virginia, uh, University of Richmond, that had such a weak signal. It was in my town, but it was just the other side of town, and so you could only get it at night <laughs> yeah. and very, very barely on your radio. And so I, uh, I don't think I even, ha- yeah, I think I had just a, a clock radio. Like, um, did you get, did you get like dial. DC punk bands? Like, uh... yeah, yeah, but that, but it, I was. I was. I mean, Henry Rollins. It was took me DC, a while to it? get cool enough to know people who would tell me about that stuff. Oh, I see. And I even see, once yeah. they did, I was always like, "How do we know about these things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we know that there's someone? And just somebody would have seen a flyer that had like all the listings right. for the month or whatever. It still flabbergasted me. Um, but yeah, I remember listening to the, the college radio, trying to be like, I could, once I once I found out there was music out there that wasn't just what was on the regular radio. Sure, yeah. I was like, well, there's got to be more. How do I find this? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was it was difficult. Is what yeah. I'm saying. It was tough. It was tough. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we got a lot of DC bands. Richmond had a good... Uh, good had a great scene, yeah, yeah. A great scene, yeah. It was a lot of was pop it? punk sort of and stuff. I think Rollins is from DC, wasn't he? Well, I mean, he was definitely pals with Ian MacKay. Yeah. Um, and they did stuff, yeah. Um. So so this is your, you're missing someone, you're staring down. I feel like when I was thinking of this, I thought that I was on a space station with other people and they were like, we have to go do something. We're going to be right back. (laughs) We'll be back. It'll be like an hour. And so at first I'm like, yeah, okay, this is fine. Uh Hmm. It's been a while. (laughs) Hmm. Oh, you know that is a spin a while. They are not coming back. That is a song. Oh yeah. That is a song. What song is that? It was. It's a song called "The Comedians," mm-hmm. written by Elvis Costello, and it was originally on Goodbye Cruel World. He later reworked it for Roy Orbison, and it was on Roy Orbison's album "Mystery Girl," and the song is a girl 
dares her boyfriend to go on a Ferris wheel alone. And at the top of the Ferris wheel, the guy running the ride stops it and he watches them walk off together as he's trapped at the top of the Ferris wheel. So she dares him to go on and she stays on the ground. And then leaves with the Ferris wheel operator once he strands him at the top. I sat there alone upon the Ferris wheel, a pastel-colored carriage in the air. I thought you'd leave me dangling for a little while, a silly twist a silly twist upon a childish dare. Alone I saw you whispering to another man who held the lever that could bring me down. He stopped the world from turning at your command. It's always something cruel that laughter drowns. Ugh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I've, with things like that, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I get it. You wrote that all as a metaphor. And now more yeah. recently I'm like, or you wrote that as that. Yeah. And he leaves him up there. And then it is a, the, the, at the end of the song, he goes, as, as one, uh, one by one, the lights go out. It's closing time. I see you take his hand and walk away. <laughs> it's almost brutal. It's so mean. <laughs> it makes you hate a woman that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, yeah, it does. Um, yeah. Now I. How could you do that to Roy Orbison? Do you, have you seen any of those? I feel like there's a, it's almost a genre. I think there's a few of them, um, horror movies where people get stuck on ski lifts. Ugh. <laughs> that's, no, that's my, elevators are my nightmare. Really? I'm, yeah, truly, truly apprehensive of elevators. Oof, you, we run across those way more often than ski lifts. Yeah, I know. Stephen Wright had a brilliant joke. Uh, it goes, years ago I was on a ski lift. And I turned to a guy and said, uh, and the, the guy I was in the ski lift with said, you know, this is the first time I've been skiing in 10 years. So why'd you take such a long time off? I was in jail. <laughs> oh. What'd you do? I pushed a total stranger off a Ferris wheel. That's a great Stephen Wright joke. Uh, most of them are. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, I uh, 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 I love a good metaphor for uh, betrayal and loneliness. Yeah, and and, uh, and uh, uh, abandonment. Yeah, abandonment. Yeah, yeah. That's why we're all comedians. Mm-hmm. Do you think so? Abandonment specifically, or no, just but wounds? It's wounds. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine last night. How odd that we chose a job where we go and run around begging strangers to love us. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. odd. Yeah, love us, understand us. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot of it for me. I'm like, do you, do, is it making sense if I say it this way? Does it make sense yeah. if I say it this way? <laughs> you understand if, it, if, it make, yeah. if I twist it like this? Um, I think a lot of mine is feeling like a big weirdo and trying to uh-huh. to, 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 to feel less isolated and adrift from people. I do that. I do that. And then I'll go to the improv and I'll watch the comedian on stage that has absolutely nothing to do with what I do. Mm-hmm. It's like we're both carbon-based outside of that. Mm-hmm. We're both mostly water. Mm-hmm. But the outside of that, there's nothing that we have in common. And then they you go on and they, and they like you for a different reason. People like ice cream and fried chicken, even though they taste very different. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think people like people who are who, – who, who are trying to connect with them. Yeah, that's probably true. So um, if you made the made the effort to get on up on the stage, that's half of it. Yeah, mm. and talk to them, not at them. Yeah. How'd you get into comedy? Oh, it's the only thing I ever knew how to do. I started, do, I had bits when I was six. Wow. Yeah. I had a, I had a, I had a bitch and Richard Nixon impression when I was like six years old. Now, I, I'm blessed in that regard. I never really had any other ambition or choice. Hmm. So I, I hit it early. 
That's why I'm, you know, I'm only in my early 50s, but I've been a has-been for decades. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't call you that. I don't think many people would. Um, Yeah, I I definitely had... um, was Do like you, writing jokes and stuff when I was a, a kid, but more reciting them than writing them. Uh, yeah. I had one good joke when I was 17, which was – and I did it. My first time I did stand-up, I was 17, and uh, and it was it was a good joke, and it was the only one, and it was that for years. But it was, uh, you know, you can go to church and a priest will bless your wine. It will become the blood of Christ, but you can't – it doesn't work outside the church. You can't just be on the beach. Hey, no drinking. I'm sorry. It's the blood of Christ. <laughs> What about the two six-packs? I'd like it to be the 12 apostles. <laughs> That's good. Professional joke. That stands. Professional joke. Yeah, yeah. that works. Yeah. Um, can I have that? Take it. Okay, that great. would be great. If that joke had a life of its own. See me on Conan had, doing that. That would be great. My friend my friend Drake, who actually is... Uh, Drake Drake? Drake Sather. Oh, okay. A comedian, writer. No longer with us, sadly. Uh, his uh, his girlfriend, Kathy Sorbo, they were the people that actually introduced me to the Cocteau Twins when we lived up in San Francisco. Hmm. Um, and I'm still very good friends with Kathy. She lives in Seattle and is married to uh, Paul Clark of the band Bolshoi. Hmm. Um, uh, but uh, he he had a couple of jokes that were so brilliant, and he's no longer with us. And I keep like, how can I can I just put up a sign like, this is a joke you don't get to hear because the author is in heaven. But it was uh, my favorite one. This is by Drake Sather. It's a uh, you ever see a homeless guy with a dog, and you know the dog's thinking, hey pal, I can do this on my own. <laughs> I don't need to sleep in the park and be on a leash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he gets the bandanas that way. Exactly. So. is very talented. He wrote the movie Zoolander. He's very talented. Wow. Yeah, very talented guy. That's great. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, so what is your next song? My next song, um, kind of a, I, I think a similar. Well, let's just play it. It's uh, it's cigarettes and coffee by Otis Redding. Oh, this song. I know this song. You do? Oh yeah. Okay, good. Every morning. <laughs> Yeah, so this, lyrically, it's about you've just met someone that you love, and it's great, and everything's working out, but it does not feel like that to me. No, that's not where I go with this song at all. This feels like I, like, I'm I'm not connected with you, I'm missing you. Where do you go with it? This is a couple staying up all night trying to work through a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the song they have. Yes. But it, it wasn't always a foregone conclusion that they were going to do it. Okay, that checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Having been being divorced, <laughs> uh, uh, I that song, I go, oh, I know this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my God, it's five in the morning. Uh, yeah. 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 No, so, but it. Then yeah, that that checks out because that the the feeling of the music and the strings and the horns and and his goddamn voice yeah it it feels kind of tortured or lonely or reaching um, reaching yeah. yeah and so I think that's what fit for me in this that um, like are they are they coming back am I just all by myself what's Am I always going to be by myself? Um, kind of feeling. 
So. Interesting. We, it's funny. Our stories track a little bit. In, I'm in, trying. In parallel. Yeah, I was it's trying. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great – and his voice of that song, <sighs> help me drink this last cup of – oh, God. Yeah, his voice on everything. I was yeah. listening to um, some people who work with him talk about him and how, like or, – or who worked uh, with him. Right. Um, and how, like – Half of what he did was just improvised, and I'm sure. um, just like the way he heard things. And he's done. He had so many hits for someone who died so young. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Another another great artist. Uh, this mm-hmm. was released in 1966 on his fourth album, the uh, the Soul album. Um, and that was a year before he died. Yeah, in '67. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, singers shouldn't get on planes. I think is uh, per- supposedly uh, the uh, door song when the music's over was written about Otis Redding dying, and uh, the original lyrics were uh, 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 "Poor Otis dead and gone, pretty little girl with a red dress on." Poor Otis dead and gone, mm. and then the song would start. Ugh. Otis Redding. I'm not comparing that song to anything Otis Redding's done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not the a Doors, doors fan. are great. The Doors are a great band. They're not a travel the th- to Paris and leave a rose on a no, grave. They are, great. No, no, they are. A, they are a great band for the thirteen-year-old boy in all of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and the soundtrack to uh, yeah. Lost Boys. Yeah, they're a great band. The, the, the Doors are a great band. The way James Bond movies are great movies. <gasps> they're, they're great movies for the. Are you shading 13... James Bond? No, I'm no, I'm not. Because oh, I've been waiting like, for somebody to shade James Bond. No, it's like for the thirteen to fifteen-year-old boy in all of you. It's that's exactly you know it's a hamburger yeah it's a great and I love no I there's no one that loves James Bond movies more than me I adore them all even the bad ones I love them but I like the like but they're cartoons well what what I feel is that you're acknowledging you don't have to like them no like I don't see how a dude can't <laughs> like them I can see how women don't like them completely I but mean, I don't see how a I don't see how anybody with with a, a micron of testosterone in their body, or really? like this, this male <laughs> fantasy. Yeah, I I think I got into James Bond the wrong era because my initial Bond was Timothy Dalton, and I don't think that's yeah. I don't think that's anybody's like yeah. But he was. I thought he was. But good. they make the sound that you just made. And it's like yeah. I thought he was fine. Serviceable. The, the Dalton movies. They tried to make the Daniel Craig movies, but they it was too early, and they didn't have Daniel Craig. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I thought he was. But Timothy Dalton would do that thing like, when I got the rule, I went back to the books. I read the books. The books are comic books. The books <laughs> yeah. are cartoons. It's not great literature. It's really great paperback novel reading. Yeah. It's great. For, you know, so don't. It's there are no sacred texts. Sean Connery read like two of the books and he was like, yeah, I got it. I got it. I'm shocked he read that much. I feel yeah. like he like saw a cover and was like, nailed it. Yeah, got, I got it. it. You, got, <laughs> you have to be able to wink at the camera a little bit. And that he does that. Yeah. Um, a, a master at winking. Yeah. Um, okay. No, I love I love all those movies, and there's, there's the kind of movies that like when they come on, it doesn't matter. Like you'll sit on the coffee table and start watching it, and then two hours later, it's over. I might feel uh, a little mm, mm, um, scorned by uh, James Bond just because I'm like not scorned. I don't know, like defensive about because I'm like I don't know where to get in. There's just so much. You can I get in a like Goldfinger. <laughs> okay. You can get in a Goldfinger. All right. And you can also see how, starting with the early Connery movies, mm-hmm. that you can see how how basically date rape went out of vogue. Because <laughs> <laughs> that... it, it is a cornucopia of date rape. <laughs> Wasn't that the uh, uh, he moves like a panther? Like when they when he came into 
to meet on that. And they yeah. watched him walk across the street. Someone was like, he moves like a panther. Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> um, a date rape panther. Yeah. Well, there was a story. Joey Stompanato was a – Johnny Stompanato was a thug of Mickey Cohen who ran the uh, mob out of Los Angeles. And he dated a movie star. I can't think of her name at the moment. But he was such a bastard that her daughter killed him uh, and uh, basically got away with it or served a minimum sentence at an honor farm because he was an abusive, horrible like, monster. We hate him so much. This yeah, is it was justified. Johnny Stompanato. And, uh, but the story is uh, he, uh, she had a film uh, scene with Sean Connery before he was James Bond. She was in a movie with Sean Connery. And Johnny Stavanato showed up on the set to intimidate all the other male actors into uh, not making a move on his girlfriend or wife or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And he tried it with Sean Connery, and Sean Connery told him to take a hike. And he pulled a gun on him, and Connery took the gun away from him and kicked the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just, I believe like it. he was the real deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Um, we want to do your next song? Yeah. Okay. So this would be the turn... Uh, when I'm in a space station and I've let myself get a little heartbroken with Mazzy Star and then I would start thinking about all the things about uh, all the things about Earth that I left mm. and uh, and this uh, song this came out last year it's a, it's a really great album by a guy named Chris Price it's called Stop Talking mm-hmm. and uh, he's it, it reminds me of a Nilsson album like it reminds mm. me of like an early Nilsson album and uh, I really like uh, this guy I hope he does a lot more uh, and this is uh, called Pulling Teeth And it's just sort of like my plangent view of humanity. Mm. Yeah, this feels perfect for the space madness is starting to take over. Yeah. Yeah, I like the uh, the the tension of the so pretty, and there and then there's just this like grating sound yeah. also. And the lyrics are beautiful, really dark. It's a Randy Newman-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says the lines, got a heart, got a soul, got a condo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was loving this one listening. Yeah, uh, and the refrain is, it. you and me, we're not good people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this definitely felt like Okay, now like the lights on this space station yeah. are doing that like li- flicker thing yeah. where you like know there's insanity. Yeah, in it sounds like movie. there's a record playing, but somebody's slowing it down a little bit. There's mm-hmm. a Lynchian sort mm-hmm. of uh, Dave. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, there's a what li- are you doing to our condo, Dave? Yeah, there's a Lynchian <laughs> sort of uh, sense to it. It's a really be- it's a great album, and uh, that's a that's a really good song. Yeah, um, I don't think that I think I, I don't know if I could do a conceive of a story like this that does not trail off into madness. <laughs> no. And I'm like, is that me or is that just the actuality no, isolation, of it? No, isolation will drive you crazy. People, human beings need to be uh, in touch with other human beings. That's the, that is the acute cruelty of uh, solitary confinement. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. I think that's maybe why that um, that's Twilight Zone that everybody references. Yeah, the, the didn't, lonely. Didn't ever resonate with me that much, the, the glasses one. 
Is that the oh, one? Oh, no, there's another one. I know that's the one with Burgess Meredith. That's yes. called Time Enough at Last. Yes. Yeah. Um, when he's like, oh, no, they're broken. I'm like, you yeah. were fucked either way. Yeah. You were fucked. <laughs> like, I was not excited when yeah. you had the books that were going to make it okay because yeah. you were still going to go insane. Yeah. Well, there's also that one, The Lonely, where Jack Warden is on a desert planet and uh, t- a young, before he was famous, Ted Knight. Uh, once a year, the spaceship comes and gives him supplies to live for the year. It's mm-hmm. a new kind of uh, uh, punishment. He's alone on a planet, and they give him a robot woman, and they fall in love, and then they come back, and they say, this has been too cruel, and they've abolished it, so you don't have to stay here anymore, but we have to leave, and uh, she's too heavy, so I have to leave her here. And they're in love. So it's a great sort of Whoa. O. Henry story. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Um, yeah, I, uh, I love sci-fi. It's one of the many things that, as I said, I think felt like it made me a weirdo when I was a kid. And now it's gotten to a point where I feel like I have to justify that, that people tend to not believe that I like sci-fi and horror. They're like, yeah, but come on. You mean like Star Wars? Well, yeah, but it's also it's like in the movie business. You used to get you used to, you know I used to get made fun of for reading comic books. Now you can't pitch a movie if it's not about a comic book character. Yeah, <laughs> and be, and like the one step further is the like well, but how well do you know which run yeah, of that character? Yeah, exactly. Do you, yeah. Or do you really know them? Yeah. Are you talking Chris Claremont or yeah. Lee Field? Yeah. I mean, what are we? Yeah, um, there's four people. Which one is Jack Kirby? <laughs> Oh, please. Exactly. <laughs> I just, I've been a staff writer. I don't, exactly. can't stand up to this. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, how did you, Is that, was that always a thing for you? Yeah, I come from a, a, a very, uh, my my family is, is, is very much the, the opposite of me. I have four older brothers and my dad, they're all big athletes and they hunt and they have wow. you know, the guns and, and I was the sort of the run to the litter and I was just into Star Trek and Planet of the Apes and Batman and uh, so you just found it all yourself. Uh, yeah, I, f- I found it all myself, and it was just literally like I'll just do the opposite of what you guys do, mm-hmm. and that's how I sort of found my personality. Yeah, uh, yeah, my mom's family, so my my grandparents that that was more that sort of world, and so I think that's why she ended up running away to London. Yeah. Um, and I was it like, happens. yeah, I'm going to run away and find my bohemian life, and I, I did not. Yeah, uh, I found some good candy. That was about it. <laughs> That's another thing that I, I, I'm sad for globalism. Um, we got all the candy everywhere. Used to be uh, every time I would travel someplace, I'd be like, ooh, what are yeah, these yeah, yeah, treasures? Yeah. yeah. Well, Kit Kats are so big over there, much bigger that's, there than here. That's true. And, uh, and I mean, the Japanese Kit Kats, uh, it, there's n- yeah. no stopping them. The Japanese Kit Kats are at the Roxy tonight, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Playing with Sean and Knife. Um, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, this is really fun. This I think, is really fun. I'm I, sorry it took so long to Oh, no. I am I, honored that you gave me any of your time. Oh, of course. No, of course. Um, and I'm I think a fan. we have a great playlist for anyone who happens to be stuck. If you find yourself alone on a spaceship. Yeah, whether it's planned or not. Yeah. Both eventualities we've got, or both the po- possibilities. I, I have got. to say, I, I didn't want to put this on the playlist because it was it was it has been such a layup mm-hmm. but the um if you ever find yourself alone on a spaceship the main title sequence to the original planet of the apes by jerry goldsmith <laughs> is, i knew there would be an ape it's amazing there had to be an ape yeah you gotta you know i gotta stay on brand <laughs> um so what do you what, where should people find you or what do you what, um, what do you want to put into the world <laughs> uh i'm uh a couple things um i have i have a podcast that comes out once a month called mm-hmm. the dana gould hour yes. it's uh, usually about three hours long <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, there's only one a month 
And uh, so, yeah, that, that's enough. Cool. And I'm around. I do stand up. <laughs> I'm around. Thanks, Go to Dana. danagould.com. Do it. Thank you for listening to Cool Playlist. I'm Eliza Skinner. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Eliza Skinner. You can follow the podcast at, at Cool Playlist Pod. You can also find our website at coolplaylistpod.com. And you can find links to all the playlists we make and anything we talk about and our Patreon. We don't have advertisers, so we rely on Patreon co-producers like you. The theme music is by Ross Bryant. The art and logo is by D. Billy at Duchess and the Queen Studio. And the podcast is produced by cool DJ Aristotle Acevedo. Oh, and you can always rate and review us on iTunes. Everybody loves that. Bye.